Excuse me, can I please talk to you for a minute? Strap the latex gloves back on. The monthly probe is here again. We're back for the April edition of the monthly probe. I'm Max McKinney and I'm joined by Matt Ryder, my co-host. How are you, Matt? Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm very good. Excited to be back for the probe another month. Second podcast for the year, mate. It's... Uh, been an adventurous year to say the least for the uh, NRL this season. Um, seven rounds in, how have you found it, mate? I've, I've found it quite uh, quite quite straight down the line. There hasn't been too many surprises, surprisingly, in this competition. If you look at the ladder, it's, it's been pretty standard, and um, things will definitely change uh, as the year progresses. Yeah, well, that's quite a, leads into our first uh, first topic of the day, mate. The uh, season surprises, and I mean, if you look at the table, the only one there is really St George Illawarra. On top of the table, equal uh, equal leaders with Melbourne. Look, how have they done it? What's happened? Mate, I, I can't tell you what they've done, but they're playing extremely good football at the moment. And it's not off the back of any one superstar player. I think their secret to success is that you know, you've got 13 blokes on the field that are playing as one cohesive cohesive team. Yeah. There's no individuals there, there's no egos, and they're just playing for each other. And whatever Mary's done... He's done it really, really well, and they're playing awesome. Yeah, there is a good spirit around the Dragons, yeah. and you know, obviously, Mary uh, reduced his role there last season. I think he um, he let go of all the contract negotiations and that side of things, and just turned his uh, focus back onto the team and week to week coaching. And mate, yeah. it's done wonders, hasn't it? It has. And if you look, you, they were in a lot of turmoil at the end of last year with the Benji Marshall contract negotiations and that whole saga. They seem to be free from that now, and they're just about playing good football. They've got a cohesive team together. They're playing for each other, and you know that's probably if you ask anyone success to any type of business or or, or a team, yeah. it's really you've got thirteen blokes that are putting in for the right reasons, and the Dragons are doing that at the moment in, in abundance. And look, speaking of Marshall, look, hasn't it been wonders letting him go? I mean, he was obviously he's past his peak, um, and you know they lost their um, the path back they were going to have at the start of the year um, to an ACL, and yep. they've had Josh McCrone come in, step into that role, and. You know, he's just playing. Um, you know, the role that the side needs. So, yeah. no, gangbusters. They've been easily the best side in the competition, and you know, I did, definitely didn't pick that at the start of the year. I put my hand oh. up. I don't think anyone did. They Bottom were a club in, club in turmoil to begin with, but it just shows you what a bit of spirit, culture, and um, uh, teamwork, and, and just striving towards a common goal and a lack of individual individual in the side, and just, it's focusing on the team what it can do. So. It, it is great to see, and yeah. you know the other season surprise for me has um, been the Cronulla Sharks and the way they've been able to handle the loss of Ben Barber and Michael Ennis. Mm. You know that I was a bit bit dubious about how they how they start the season. After that, they also travelled to England for the yeah. World Club Challenge, and mate, they've uh, they've really performed during the in the top four and. Yeah, I, things are looking good. I, I think it's good. It's it's good for the Sharks to really uh, cement their place as a comp- competition heavyweight, and and hopefully they can continue for a few more years, few years to come. But I think it's really been off the back of what Phil Gould said about the measure reading the papers this week. Phil Gould come out and said it was a soft premiership last year. Yeah, and that's been the motivation for Cronulla. And I think after winning the first premiership, there was that possibility of having the hangover and yeah. not having that you know that goal that that, no that hunger. But if you look at what we've done in the last two weeks yep. against Melbourne and then against uh, Penrith, there hasn't been a try scored against the Sharks in, in uh, what, 160 minutes of football. So yeah. it's, been, it's been a really big effort from the Sharks. And um, look, that they have surprised me with how well they've went, dropping yep. a few games at the start of the year, but they're on a pretty solid run now. And, and you know, they've got some good, good up-and-coming players with Braley, Braley there and Seguiaro on his back from his, uh, his little 
arm fracture. Yeah, I and think and you're going to be a contender. Yeah, Braley was someone we mentioned in our um, season preview that if they could sort of manage to incorporate him into their game, um, then uh, you know they were looking like they'd have a good season. And it's it's all come come true for um, for Braley and the Sharks. And you could see yesterday against the Panthers or in the round seven game against the Panthers, they really took it personally that statement from Gould, didn't they? Specifically Paul Gallen. You know, Gould and Gallen have had a bit of a tussle, tussle yeah, over the years. As and, you would too. And when it was said, you know, three or four weeks ago, it was taken personally. And, yeah. And now we got to play Penrith in Penrith and, and really stuck them. it to them and yeah. destroyed them. And, you know, I think just the motivation was there for Cronulla and hopefully it doesn't plateau after that. But, uh, if the motivation's there, they've still got one of the best sides in the premiership and that they can compete. Yeah, they've, they've solidified their place as one of the heavy, heavyweight clubs and they'll no doubt, no doubt be there in, uh, yep. in September. Um, we'll, look, we'll go to a bit of a negative topic, topic now, but the, uh, the demise of the West. Um, we're going to look at the Tigers and, and the Panthers. Um, we'll start with the West Tigers. What an absolute fiasco that is. JT punted after three rounds, three games, wasn't it? Yeah. Mate, where do you start? Look, uh, at the top? I think the one constant that has been throughout the West Tigers over this tumultuous, tumultuous, however you say that word, period, period. is the board. So Robbie Farrell was initially initially blamed for everything. Now Robbie Farrell's gone, or Jason Taylor's going to get blamed for everything. Yeah. It's the board, in my opinion. Sacking someone after three weeks into a competition is absolutely ludicrous. Why having there... If he's only got three weeks to prove himself. Well, it was a bad appointment in the first place. It was yeah. never going to work out. Taylor as a head coach. And, you know, look, the one positive, I guess, they've brought in Ivan Cleary now. And I guess if you look at the season um, ahead, can he take them to the finals? Can he, you know, salvage something from this season? I don't know, mate. Um, this is just They're in a ridiculous situation at the moment with the contract negotiations. There's no way that club can function anywhere near its... Um, it's maximum capacity yeah. with what's going on at the moment. They've got a new coach in. They've got four players, well, two, no, three players off contract now. Two. Yeah, Brooks is signed, and Brooks is signed. So two, two of their superstars off contract. One signed with Parramatta. It's, it's a terrible position for the club to be in. Uh, even compared to where they were at the start of the season, where they were quite optimistic, and this season's just went downhill for them. And I don't see them really mounting any challenge for the top eight this year. I just think there's too much turmoil in the club. Too and much going on. If, if they were to lose, you know, a Tedesco... It's going it's 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 to hurt them for a number of years if they it do. Is, it is, because they're not an attractive club to go to at the moment. I can't see them attracting any big names just just with the way the club's being structured, the way they're making decisions. Yep. And it's just, a, it's just not going to happen for the West Tigers. So, you know, West Tigers fans out there, I think... Um, it's going to be a tough, tough few seasons, tough few pills to swallow, but... Uh, Dig in. Never Dig know. into the trenches. Yeah. Um, Big trenches. Look, of the, them four players that you know have been the talk of the town, only Brooks has signed on. I think he's probably been the one that's been in the, the least um, best form, I guess. And he's probably the least talented player out of them too. Yeah, well, but that being said, when the four come on, he was one of the ones... He was talked up as the next Andrew Johns, mate, coming out of under-20s, so... I think he's he's seen that you know the money on offer his form hasn't been that great so he's he's taken it. Moses is gone. Do you think um, Tedesco and Woods? Where do you see them? Uh, I think they should go. In all honesty, I don't think the club's doing their careers any service at all, and I think the club's screwed them around and they've given more to the club than the club's given to them. So if I was in their position, I'd be I'd be take, out of there. Take the cash and get don't out. Don't know there. what they'll do. Um, depends, but uh. That'd be my position if I was in James Tedesco, Speedy Boots. Yeah, well, there's some big player movements going on at the moment, and there will be for the rest of the year. Uh, mm. 
Moving over to Penrith, um, right out there at the foot of the mountains, mate. Look, they look a shadow of their 2016 side. Has the hype got the better of them, that hype that was around at the start of the year? Yeah, 100%. They're, I don't know what happened with um, Moylan, but he's grossly out of form, and, and I think he's central to everything yep. that they, they do as the club. And, you know, he, this has got no continuity. If you watched the Sharks game yesterday, they were clunky. They couldn't string a pass together. They were dropping the ball, and... It just wasn't a good good football side playing. It don't look like a Penrith side that were predicted, you know, top top four at the start of the year. So whatever's happening at uh, at Penrith, it needs to be fixed quick, smart, because there's obviously something wrong. Yeah, and, I think and grossly I wrong. think it's a bit of a broader problem as well. I don't think you can sort of narrow down any sort of one individual. Yeah. Um, you could look at Nathan Cleary, you know. He's actually been one of the more steady performers. Um, you could look at him and maybe point out the second-year syndrome. Yep. Problem, but yeah, look, it's a bit of a wider, wider issue out there at Penrith, I think. Yeah, so it's see what Gus can do with his five year plan and he can extend that to a 10 or 15 year plan. And um, I'm expecting them to get it together, and you know, through the middle of the year, I think they'll really string a few wins together. But if they keep going on the you know traje- trajectory that they are, yeah. then could be in trouble. Might have to abort mission, so they say. <laughs> yeah, old Cartwright. Well, moving along, mate, we're going to look at um, another pretty big issue that's um, popped its head up this year, and the mid-season transfers. You know, I know this is something you spoke about in the um, burning issues segment of our first podcast of the year, but um, it's just been a debacle with the future of certain players. You've got Mitch Moses, that's that's incredible. The only one I could point out that I reckon's okay is Jack Bird signing mid-season for next year. Um, Why is that okay? Well, I think... If you're looking at it from Cronulla fans' point of view, you look at Jack Bird. He's just helped Cronulla win their first ever premiership. You know, he's there for this year. They're looking good. He's he's giving his all. Yep. You know, next year, fair enough. He's taking a big money on offer up in Brisbane. You got to be happy for the guy. You know, like you can't. I've got no problems with anything you've just said, but I don't know why he has to sign now compared to the end of the year. That's what I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, you're a massive fan of having the uh, the end of year transfer. Oh, but I just haven't I haven't heard a coherent argument transfer as, to, as to why we sign in the middle of the season for the next year. It's not even as if Jack Bird is going to Brisbane now. That would make a lot more sense, and I'd be happier for that to happen yeah. than him sign for 2017 season a third of the way through no 2018 season a third of the way through 2017. It just seems completely illogical, and I cannot see any. You know, coherent, logical reason as to why it happens the way it does. Well, the only one that they've got at the moment that some of the pundits and even Todd Greenberg's mentioned before is that you know it sort of props up the news cycle throughout the uh, throughout the season, just keeps the soap opera that rugby league is going. But if if that's what you need to continue to get people to talk about rugby rugby league, I think there's a problem with the product. The soap opera shouldn't be the reason why things are done in the game. No, it's absolutely ludicrous, and there's no other sport in the world that does this. Well, if you can name one, please let me know. But you look at NBA, you look at anything. NBA, yes, granted, they've got a, they've got a trade period. Yep. That trade period, if you get traded, so maybe weeks four to eight, it's a trade, trade period, but you leave the club when you get traded. It's not for the next year. Yeah. Everything else, you've got a time where you sign your contract. So I just don't see any reason why. And the amount of uncertainty it causes that it shows in, in a club and the amount of uncertainty for the fans and how much the fans hate it, it's a really, really weak argument to say, oh, the reason we do it is to keep people interested in talking about the game. That is absolute bullshit. And if that is the argument, I think... It's that, so weak. And then I think... Well, Todd Greenberg, you need I, to step up. That is weak as piss. I think if that is the argument, then it's perfect for summer when, you know, league kind of falls away, cricket and all that sort of things in the news cycle. It'll prop up the, 
the interest in the game. Have there. people talking about positive things about the actual game of football, not talking about how negative It'll, it is that people are signing yeah. a contract halfway through the year and not focusing on the actual sport, the actual game. And Todd Greenberg, you're an idiot if you think that. Well, yeah, some stern comments there from a uh, Northern Northern Beaches uh, podcaster. He's an idiot. Next topic, mate. Uh, moving along, we've got the standout individuals um, in 2017. So you've named a, a couple there. You've got Gareth Widdop and uh, Jack DeBellin from the Dragons, obviously leading the competition. Yeah. I, I, I just, the, the games I've watched St. George, DeBellin especially, he's just been a monster through the middle. He's really been a jack-of-all-trades in there. and I've oh, just been fun. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't even realise. He's just been a, a really standout player and a player, a big improvement. And he could be, you know, an origin boulder. And, and Gareth Widdop, from where he was last year, and I don't know, it's indicative of where the club was last year, he was um in a bit of a tricky spot, and they and they you know you can see the effect that uh transfers have on the club just in St George of the War Dragons with that Benji Marshall fiasco, yeah. and you cannot say that didn't affect the club. Well, so I, th- I think if you look at Widdop's year before Marshall got there, he, mm, it was one of the standouts the year, year before true. Marshall come in. Maybe that kind of you know confused confused their roles a little bit. And yeah, yeah, this year he's uh, sort of back all guns blazing. And yeah, he's been a tremendous player, and he's really steering that ship around well. And and, and when you, I think uh, it makes a big difference having someone with experience, you know, in in the halves role and can guide that team around as a cohesive unit. So, look for me that they've been two real standout players. There've been some others, obviously, but um, for me, those are the two blokes that have picked their game up big yep. time. On my end, look, I've, I've nominated Daly Cherry Evans from Manly as a standout, and uh, Luke Keery from the Roosters. Um, Cherry Evans, he in the off season, he's been quoted as saying that he spent he didn't have an off season. He spent it training. Um, he was disappointed with his season last year and uh, wanted to get a, a head start on on everyone else um, for this year. And the biggest thing is, mate, he's taking control of that Manly side. He's finally, you know, taking the ball by both horns and he's driving that side around and. Numerous try assists, numerous um, uh, putting people through on line breaks, and just yeah, a fantastic it's, year. For it's a, he's a good player and he's very talented. It always, it's just felt like since he signed that that ten year contract, he's almost plateaued. He's just he's wasn't not going to say he wasn't putting in, but the drive I guess wasn't there to be the best. He he'd already sort of had that tag I suppose with that ten year contract, but this year, as you said, I think it's been a bit of an attitude change, and he's yeah. he's really the man now, and um he's taking control of his of his own game and the team's game and. And he's yeah, he's, he's a bit of a bit of a kooky cat, old Cherry Evans, and it's been good that to him for him to come out and say and recognise that his head maybe wasn't in the right place and do these extras, and I think Trent Barrett handing him the captaincy mm. that was really um, probably the trigger for it. Yeah, trigger for the kooky cat. Yeah, uh, Luke Luke Keery from the Roosters, obviously come on uh, in leaps and bounds after coming across from South Sydney. I think where he fits into the Roosters system, um, playing. At, almost a bit of a similar role to James Maloney when he was there. Um, and just getting back to his running game, which is one of his strengths, is, has you know, seen him be one of the form players of, uh, of yeah. the competition. And I think playing outside Mitchell Pearce is, is quite an easy job. He's an extremely good organiser and he sets his team up well. And you know, the 5-8 to play out, outside him can be, is afforded a lot of time and a lot of space. And if you're a good ball runner, I think you're going to really have a field out there. So he's a, he's a really good signing. Yeah, for the for the Roosters, I think, and they're reaping the rewards of that signing this year with how well they're playing. Did you expect uh, Kiri to come on um, just as well as he has? You know, it was a bit of a controversy about how he come across from South. South, he he fell out with Russell Crowe. You know, I thought his confidence might be a little bit down. He might not settle in as well. But no, he's playing in a in a quality side, and if the team's going well, his confidence is going to be going well. So 
you know, it depended how the team team went there. He's you know he's taken every opportunity that was given to him throughout the year, and he's you know he's playing highly confident football now, and I think he's going to continue on it for the rest of the year. Really, he's yeah, he's playing well. Yeah, you know, I expect to see the Roosters in the, the final four this year. Yeah, I think they're, be, they're a quality outfit. They really are. They'll go, and, um, they'll go really close. Yeah, quality outfit. They've got a lot of good players there, and um. It's hard, to, it's hard to see them having a bit of a meltdown or anything, so I think they'll be there. Okay, well, we'll go along to our Origin Bolters topic now, and we're going to name a captain, a halves combo, and a bolter. So Yeah, and when we, I was thinking about this, trying to name a captain for New South Wales is... Like, uh, naming a side for New South Wales well, is almost impossible at the moment with got the a, amount of names around. We've got a pool so, of about 50 players to choose yeah. from, they've... They've identified as potential origin players. Yep, so um, we're going to go with our origin boulder for the moment. It's the man who replaced Paul Gallen, and that's Matt Pryor. I see him as an, an origin-made player. Ever since moving from the Dragons and then you know one or two years into his contract with the Sharks, he's been on a diet, he's dropped a lot of weight. He's really taking he's his, an extra leg, mate. Taking, taking his nutrition and fitness seriously, and now he is an extremely good defender. I don't think um there's too too many front rows underrated got, defender yeah um too many front rows that have got the mobility that he does you know he he did play in the centres believe it or not for the dragons at some stages yeah. so yeah he's he's a very he's a bit of an athlete so for me I, I think he's a, a shoe in for Origin I'd really like to see him in the front row well he he was immense um in the final series last oh. year for the Sharks and he's also had that big game experience uh, a little he bit of a, at the Dragons as well when they were they were going well so yeah well he's won two premierships now I believe so. I don't I don't think he'd let anyone down. Uh, pardon the cliche there, but um, no, he wouldn't let anyone down in the Origin Arena. No, I, I really, yeah, I think he's the man, man to carry on the on the torch that Gal carried so well. The legacy, the legacy. Uh, your captain, you've named Wade Graham. Yeah, so I'm continuing on the Sharks theme here, and might cop a bit for being a bit biased here, but just looking through last year and uh, looking through, I don't think it's a left field um, nomination because you know a lot of. A lot of pundits around the game have um, big raps on Wade Graham, and they reckon that he's been unlucky not play Origin in, in, That's right. in the and past. He's been a leader since a very young age. He's always been the deputy to Paul Gallen when he was with the Sharks. So he's, he's been a captain when, when Gallen's played as young as 20, 22, 21, 22, and he's still only young now. Everyone's got big, big raps on Wade as a leader, and I think this year, coming off a premiership win and coming off you know his first origin appearance last year which he played quite well and he's just grown another leg defensively he's been extremely solid and look I think he'd be you couldn't go wrong with him as captain providing he makes the side of course because yeah, well, he, there's yeah. a there's a lot of good play, back rowers in New South Wales. Did he only play the one game in one the game he played series. game game 2? Yeah. Oh he didn't play game he was picked for game 2 then was suspended if you remember and Tyson Frizzell came yeah. in. Then he played game 3 and you know played quite well too so I I I'd be happy to have Wade Graham there. Um, who would you think, mate? Uh, for captain, I'm going to nominate it's just a safe option, Boyd Cordner. Um, he's, I think he'd be <coughs> one of the players that will play, you know, maybe not 80 minutes each game, but he'll definitely be there. He's one of the first guys penciled in, and, you know, he's really matured in recent years and he's come along and he's got those leadership qualities, I believe. He's a very calm, cool head, and, you know, he'll keep, um, keep the side focused and... Um, yeah, I think I think he'd perform that, that role quite well. Yep. Um, just dropping back to my bolter there, I've I've gone for Cohen Hess from the Cowboys. He's actually Queenslander, so Yep. But I think he's been one of the um I think will be one of the, the biggest bolters this year. He'll make that seventeen um in Kevin Walter's side. And yeah, the 
he's developing into a class class player and um, a, a strong option there at the Cowboys. And I don't know how much you've seen of him play, but yeah, not a lot, mate, not a lot. But um, I have a big raps on him. Yeah, so. yeah, everyone's talking about him, so. Yeah, Cohen Hess. Very good, mate. Um, the halves combination for the New South Wales team, that's always always something there's a lot of discussion about and there's also always a lot of change, even from um, game to game in a series, in it? Well, you wouldn't You'll... bet on it, certainly. It's no. Oh, if you do, you're up for some good money if you win. So who would you pick for your uh, your halves combination? Yeah, look, it's, 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 it is hard to say and pinpoint, <laughs> but I think we're going to have to go back to Mitchell Pearce. I don't know if I'm crazy for suggesting that. You know, he hasn't really done or won anything in the past so I'm going to go with him and Maloney I think they've got a combination that works well and I think with Billy uh, Queensland in a little bit of trouble Thurston might be out Billy Slater's a bit of a concern whether he's going to play in origin this year they don't need him I think Pierce and Maloney can do a job and I think they can do it well and um I think on paper they're our two best two best options. Maloney was player of the series or, or thereabouts last year for New South Wales. Pierce obviously wasn't there, but when you look at the halfbacks in New South Wales, I can't think of anyone that I'd want there. Well, the only one that has played there and played when we actually won the series in two thousand fourteen was Trent Hodkinson. But mate, he's got massive knee issues. He's not even kicking for Newcastle, so no, he's not he's not the player he was or even close to it when when he did win. So I think we can rule him out straight away. He's yeah. just not the same player. And it's, after that, there's just there's just no one. Playing Moylan at 5'8", that's a terrible idea in my opinion. Um, Jack who, Bird, sorry? Matt, Matt Moylan, sorry. Yeah, I didn't like that. I don't like playing players out of position. Jack Bird at 5'8", that is an option. Um, but yeah, it is probably an option. not on this occasion. Yeah. Probably, probably end up playing centre. Centre, well, he's, he's a very good 14 off the bench too. But yeah, Jack Bird is an, is an option there. The more touches he can get... I think the better, better you'll, he'll go. Well, the word is they're looking, uh, Mel Meninga's looking at Jack Bird for centre in the Australian side for the upcoming test, so it's hard to see him missing out on a centre spot for New South Wales. Yeah, I, I can't see him missing out um, on the centre spot. You've got, obviously, Jennings there and Dugan to fight for it, but I think Jack Bird, he's shown enough to be there. And That, that back five is really going to be, there's so many options there they've got to go with. It's going to be interesting to see who Laurie goes with. Yeah, I yeah. mean, obviously Tedesco's a bit of a shoe-in for full-back, but be. outside that, the centres, some wing, you know, it really could be anyone. Yeah. yeah, at least they've got a bit of depth there. It's just a shame there's no depth in the halves. Would you have Jared Hayne in your side, mate? Where's, where are you at with Jared Hayne? He hasn't uh, even got back on the field yet. But no, he... I think the coming weeks will tell, tell us where Jared's at. Um, I haven't, haven't seen enough from him at the moment to pick him. Uh, he's a quality player, and if, if he picks his game up when he comes back from injury... And, and... Well, I think where Jared at, is at in general is a topic for discussion in itself, mate. It's, you know... Yeah, it hasn't come like to fruition when he when he was at the Giant. I'm um, the Forty ers Sorry. Yeah. He was a superstar athlete. He's come back to the Gold Coast Titans. He's looked a shadow of himself. He's just what pe- he was. He's picked up a payback and just put the feet up, mate. Really, that's what it looks like. But it's, enjoying the Gold Coast lifestyle. It's very strange because I think Jared's problem and what it's always been is he likes to think and he likes to talk about how good he's going to be and he's going to do all these fantastic things and he's, you know, doing Michael Jordan wings posters and things like that. Yeah. But if you cut all that bullshit out and look what it, the product he actually puts on yeah. and how he trains, he's just not that good. Yeah. He's not putting in the effort. He's just not that type of player. And since he's come back, he just doesn't look like a person that's going out there and giving 110%. You can't tell me, someone like Jaden Braley, can't tell me that Jalen Braley out there, he's following every forward... Getting um getting on the end of offloads and then you look at Jared Hayne and it's just chalk and cheese and you look at what the Dragons are doing everyone's putting in and you could I think Jared Hayne would just stand out like um 
like a sore thumb if he was in the dragon side, just attitude-wise. So yeah. I think we all know he's skillful, but it's just a matter of getting his head right. And how many years has it been now? And I don't think he's mastered that. And I don't think he will. No. Okay, last topic for uh, the April edition of this podcast. Um, I wrote an article recently on how the NRL should take the window of opportunity that's been available by the demise of the Western Force, who look likely to be kicked out of the Super Rugby competition, and uh, put a team in the per- on the West Coast uh, in, the- in Perth. I think the, you know, it's been talked about for a number of years now. 2012, the West Coast Pirates came out and said that you know, they're ready to go as an NRL franchise and need two years to get themselves ready and uh, they could enter the competition. Do you think um, there's an option there for the NRL to head, head West? Oh, definitely, and you know, with the vacuum that's been left, with the um, the, the likely demise of the uh, Western Force, it, it is an option there for the NRL, and it's it's probably a good time to pounce on it. My only fear is if it's done haphazardly, which is what seems to be a recurring theme in the NRL's uh, mode of do, of doing things. So, if they're going to do it, they need to do it well. They need to make sure it's a success, and they need to make sure financially, with the weight they put behind it, that they make sure it's a success. And if they can do that, I think it's a great it's a great idea. It's um, it's a it's a place that you know likes rugby league and it likes the the uh, oval ball game. So um, not the oval ball. What kind of shape is it? The Steeden. Steeden. Yeah, we'll go with the Steeden. So oh, I think it will be a success, but it's just like anything, how well it's implemented. And I think the Gold Coast Titans is an example of something that hasn't been a great success because yeah. I don't think the NRL's really put the time and money into making them a success. And you have a look at what the AFL's done with the, the Great Western Sydney Giants and the Gold Coast uh, Suns. They've put a lot more money into developing the team and making sure they're a successful but football put, side. Because that's, that's the first thing you need. You need to be a successful, fo- successful football side to want to get traction with the community. Well, they've put firm foundations in place with you know resources and funding and that sort of thing, concessions for the, both those sides. Mm. Interesting, the Giants, though, they they weren't successful at all for their first three, four years. Now yeah. they're sort of starting to come on, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It's a bit of another topic. If you look at the last two clubs that come into the NRL, the Melbourne Storm and the Gold Coast Titans, complete polar opposites, really. Um, look at the Storm, how, how successful they've been. They won a competition really early on. I guess their success is kind of tainted by rewarding the salary cap, but that, su- that success enabled them to build a, a core, solid fan base down there. With the Titans, they've had drama after drama. Yeah, you're exactly right. And their success was built on two things. They had a really quality football side and they were backed by News Limited. So they had, yeah. the, like, they didn't turn a profit for many, many years down there. And they had the financial backing of News Limited that kept them going. Yeah. And that's, what, that's why they were successful. If they didn't have that backing, they would have folded as a club. So that is a, it's evidence of their um, financial stability and financial backing from an external party really helps a developing club. And I think if you need one, if you're going to have a Perth club, it, it's imperative that it has that financial Needs to be security. strategically planned, well thought out. and Which is something that the NRL don't do. Well, so, they're not good at, no. No, they're absolutely abysmal at it. So, you know, I'm, I'll sit here and wait for the NRL to... Uh, to do well, it or wait, wait with open arms, but I just don't see it happening with Todd Greenberg at the, at at the, the heads. Helm. Well, look, in my article, I, I come up with a bit of a, a vision, a bit of a strategy for the NRL to take. They're taking an Origin game over to Perth in 2019. That'll be played at the new Perth Stadium, 70,000-seat uh, stadium um, built uh, majorly for AFL and cricket. However, it's got the option to be set up in rectangular sports mode, so big soccer games and, and big league and union games can be played there. Um, my idea was take the Origin game there in 2019. 
On the back of that, bring in the new Perth franchise in 2020, um, keep that hype going, and then in 2021, play grand final in that uh, brand new Perth stadium. Um, then you've got you've got three successive years with uh, quite a bit of hype around rugby league, especially with a, a new team coming into the competition. Mm. Um, you know, my second reason for taking that grand final to Perth, um, it's obviously a very commercially uh, viable product. Um, I'm sure the WA government would come on board. The NRL would profit a little bit of money there. Um, and ANZ Stadium is out of action for four years while it gets redeveloped from 2019 to 2022. So it's um, an option. It all sounds quite good. And, you know, providing it's done well, I think it's a good idea to grow the game. Uh, The game does need growth. It's, you know, exclusively played on the Eastern Seaboard. And if the game wants to grow and become a a national game and, you know, get those national-type dollars, it needs to grow. And I think Perth's probably the first place where it is going to grow. I think there is a there is an appetite for rugby in general over there. They're getting quite decent crowds to the Western Force games. They're rounds of uh, fifteen fifteen thousand, yeah. which is a you know a moderate to good good size uh, NRL crowd. Yep. So I, I think there's an appetite for rugby league over there, and it's just a matter of uh, the NRL pulling the trigger and, and implementing something well. And the good thing is they've got the the ready made NIB stadium over there. Uh, I think it's about a twenty twenty something thousand capacity there. To play out of play their you know regular home games there but obviously you've got the perth stadium as well if you want to you know play a season opener or something there yeah. big game that sort of thing couple yeah. options yeah it's, it's definitely an option for the nrl and be interesting to see what they do but you you would like to think there is some kind of plan in 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 place already seeing that they've got an uh they've got a we've got ideas and vision no they've got a state of origin game there so, so they also already see it as a market. They wouldn't. Have, they would have had to have have a plan to put a side over there because otherwise, what is the point of making or p- taking an Origin game there? Yeah, just a, f- a few dollars really from WA government. Like yeah, uh, if like you'd have to think there is some kind of long term vision there, but there probably isn't. No, yeah, the NRL. Yeah. But you'd like to think there would be. So let's just all pray and hope that Todd Greenberg, you know, rub, rubs his magic genie ball or his head, whatever it is, and. Make some good decisions. Well, they're not known for it, but uh, yeah, look, you know, hopefully there's some vision there and hopefully it's something we can uh, look to in the future. The, the counter-argument against sort of expansion at the moment has been solidifying the position and place of the current NRL clubs. But I mean, if you look at last season, mate, they racked up like a $53 million debt bill across the 16 clubs. I don't understand how that is financially solidifying them clubs. Like, no, they're not. Well, they're not doing that well. They're not doing anything well. If they were... Focusing solely on solidifying NRL and the Eastern Seaboard, they're doing a terrible job at it. Like, if the club, you know, spends too much money, runs himself into a heap of debt, in my opinion, that's their trouble, mate. If they fold, they fold. Like, the Sharks almost had it happen to them numerous times, you know, over the last decade. Put ourselves out, mate. What happened? They pulled themselves out of it, mate. Sold a bit of land. You know, they've got the... Well, one of them... Got the resort and, uh, you know, the apartment setting coming on there. Yeah, the Sharks are... Complete, complete flip from where they were before. So, oh, I agree. I think if a club can't financially support themselves, there's no point in them being there. They're not. A, they cease to be a club. Yeah. They can't drop into the New South Wales Cup until you can fight back in. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with that because if you're propping up clubs just to keep them there, it's not good for the game. In the end of the day, you want to have profitable clubs. You want to have clubs that are, yeah, you know, focused on and, and can improve the product of the game and aren't a detriment to to the rugby league brand. And clubs like the West Tigers at the moment. Just aren't doing NRL any favours. Mm. Newcastle, Gold Coast, Dragons, they're propping them up. So Anyway, we'll leave that one there. Uh, that about uh, wraps it up for this podcast, mate. Thanks for joining us. Um, 
Look, if you've got any comments or ideas, just uh, give us a shout in the comments section uh, of this post. Yeah, thanks again to Chai Chong Hot Bread, our loyal sponsors. Hop down to uh, Lithgow Main Street and get the world famous cheese and bacon roll. Yeah, hot uh, pizza bread, actually. Pizza yeah. bread, pizza bread, yes. I like the one with a bit of tomato, if you're ever down there. Yeah, the tomato, not my favourite, but if, if they're out of the pizza bread, I'll love the gander and the tomato bread. But, uh, gander or geezer? Gander, geezer, or both. Okay, then. That's it for this one. Make it easy, lads. See you guys. Excuse me, can I please talk to you for a minute?